0: Welcome to the Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshort.
1: and I'm Tom Askell, and this actually is the Rodcasts today because we've got a special guest. The Rodcast or the Rod Pod, we can call it either way. I'm, I'm easy, either way. <laughs> but we have my good friend Rod Martin in the studio with us today. In Rod. The flesh. Welcome. We're delighted to have you here with us. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Great to be here. I was trying to remember earlier today when you and I first met, and I can't remember, but it goes back a lot of years. I know that. And, uh, Rod, you were a part of the PayPal Mafia, right? Yes. And you're a futurist. You're an entrepreneur. You are the CEO of the Martin uh, Organization. Yes. And uh, you do some research in uh, uh, biomedical
2: things, right? We do a number of things. Yeah, we, so. we have a hedge fund. We have investments in uh, a number of biotech and internet uh, companies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're particularly focused on a couple of pharmaceutical uh, ventures that we're working with. One is in phase three clinical trials right now on a liver drug that has actually shown very, very good promise of reversing cirrhosis of the liver mm, Wow, uh, with so far virtually no side effects. It's It's really quite Amazing, actually. Wow. And uh, we've got a couple other things that we're getting launched at the same time.
1: Well, that's great. Well, the, the question that we've
2: been wanting to ask you is what's Mike Huck- Huckabee really like? <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the most gentlemanly, uh, truly smart, truly funny guys you will ever meet. And and uh, honestly, he's a lot like you, Tom. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> you better don't tell him. Uh-oh. Don't let anybody, <laughs> don't let Mike Huckabee know that that was just said about him. You'll have to apologize the rest of your life. Well, you were on his staff when he was governor of Arkansas, right? I I was. I was policy director. Yeah, and uh, he had a really good impact on the state of Arkansas.
2: Best governor we ever had.
1: Yeah, so that's great. And I have an aunt, and uncle, who lived in Arkansas, Arkadelphia, Arkansas, and you knew them before I knew
2: you. I did. I've mowed her lawn, actually. (laughs) That's true, when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, it's amazing to put all those connections together. And again, I don't remember when you and I became friends, but we've been friends for many, many years, 30 and years, yeah, maybe, probably so. And it's been great. I've appreciated you and your involvement in the, the work of the gospel, among the many other things you do. I mean, I've, you're always been just a, a man who's committed to Christ in the midst of subduing the earth. And I love that about you. I have to tell one story. Uh, when one of my children was in college, we were coming home. I think she was in high school taking some college credits at that time, so she wasn't a full college student, and she was doing a report on a Monday on Social Security. I don't know if you remember this.
2: Oh yeah, you remember yeah. this? We were coming home
1: from church on Sunday night, and Rebecca was nervous about this presentation. She's having to do an oral presentation. She'd done a bunch of research on Social Security, and she said, "I'm just not sure I've got everything together. I don't think I understand all these little fine details." And I said, "Well, let's just call Rod and see what Rod thinks." You know, so we call you on the way home. And uh, you were at some kind of gathering. You said, well, you know, just a minute, let me step out. And so you stepped out of whatever it was you were doing, and you started talking. And it was like you you had this prepared speech on the history, (laughs) purpose, benefits, failures. Oh, I know you didn't, (laughs) but it sounded that way, on Social Security. And, And we pulled off the side of the road, and Rebecca just started taking notes. And you went on for like 15 minutes. And uh, it was incredible, and that was a a real blessing for her and my children. And you've done that on the Star Wars project of Reagan. You did it when my son was about 10 years old. We were at a restaurant together.
2: Oh, I forgot that. Yeah,
1: you remember that late at night one night, and he asked you, what do you think about this? And boom, you just went off, and Joel went nuts. And So anyway, longtime friend of the family. Great to have you here. You're part of the executive committee as of like a month or two ago, right? Yes. Of the Southern Baptist Convention. Tell
2: us what that entails. Well... The executive committee is is one of the several SBC entities, as you know. It actually serves the role of uh, being effectively the annual meeting between annual meetings. So mm. for 363 days a year, uh, the the executive committee represents all of Southern Baptists in the various things that might come before it. Uh, the annual meeting only exists for two days, okay. and it has ultimate power although in many cases delegated power over all of the different institutions that Southern Baptists have put together now i realize that the minute you say the words Southern Baptist polity <laughs> everybody's eyes instantly glaze over but uh, as complicated as we make it it's really not that hard a concept so what what everybody you have in your orbit needs to understand whether they're Baptists or not is really Baptists at their core believe in the autonomy of the local church. Mm. So we don't have bishops above us or anything like that. Not on paper. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can argue, <laughs> but, but I mean, in, in a technical sense— yeah. Every church is autonomous, but there are still things you want to do together. It's a a church might have a school, but a lot of churches together could have a better school. A, A church can send missionaries, but a lot of churches together can send a lot of missionaries, and it can also screen them and train them and take care of them when they get in trouble in some foreign location. I have a very good friend who's an IMB missionary who had a medical crisis not long ago, they air a vacuum out yep. to, from, from nowhere stand to some wonderful hospital somewhere. Uh, I have another IMB missionary friend who, uh, they had a child with a really terrible birth defect. There was, mm-hmm. there was almost no chance this child was going to survive. IMB got them to the United States, which was itself kind of difficult has taken care of all the health care for that child. The child has survived. The child's doing well. They're back on the mission field, actually. They weren't able to go back where they were before in the bush, but they were able to go to a major city that is a hub of activity for that whole part of the world and is also very lost. Mm -hmm. So they're doing wonderful things. Our church could never do that. Right. But the International Mission Board can do that and do it exceptionally well. We're really, really proud of those guys. So the way this works, and it does matter, so please don't let your eyes glaze over yet, this actually matters. What we do is we send messengers, that's a fancy Baptist word for delegates, and every church gets to send some, so you should go. Every year we have these messengers convene at an annual meeting in 2020. That'll be in Orlando, Florida. So you can also go see Mickey Mouse. And uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. Maybe the same place. And uh, and we get together and, and we elect members of the various boards of these different entities that do things for all of us. That's your money. You should care. Your tithe money, a small part of that, goes through what we call the cooperative program to pay all these things so that all of these things don't have to come with their handout to your church and beg all the time. Our missionaries don't have to beg for their salary. They get paid through your tithes and offerings in that tiny part that goes through the cooperative program. And the way we select those boards so that you are represented and they aren't just off doing their own thing is the president of the convention whom we elect every year They get a one-year term, and traditionally, we give them two of those. So president's usually president for two years. He gets to nominate something called the Committee on Committees. Now, that's about as Baptist as it gets. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and the Committee on Committees is broadly representative. A certain number from every state convention and a certain number of pastors versus laypeople. people, and it's all very complicated, but you don't have to know that. That's not what's important. The president gets to appoint them according to the complicated formula. And then those guys appoint something that's also kind of complicated, but all you need to know is... The Committee on Committees names the Committee on Nominations because we don't want the president just picking people to go on these boards. The Committee on Nominations is broadly representative, and it picks the members of those boards and commissions, but the annual meeting gets to vote on it. So again, you matter. These are your trustees, and those trustees are there to represent you, not represent the entity. A board member Mm. at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission doesn't work for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, An executive committee member like myself does not work for the executive committee. They represent you. And when they go on that board, they are there to represent the Baptist in the pew and hold those institutions, that property, that enormous amount of church property that belongs to the widows in our pews who gave their widows might to pay for those things to be created and to exist, that's how our system works. And so I represent you, and particularly the Baptists of the state of Florida, on the executive committee, and I'm there to look out for you that's what it is. That's how it's supposed to work, and usually it does work.
1: So uh, so an entity head said several years ago when one of his trustees did something that he was uh, upset about, he said, that's grounds for firing a trustee. So
2: <laughs> that's horrifying. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I thought, too. I don't know who said it, so I'm sure I just got myself in trouble. But that's that's exactly the opposite of how that's supposed to work.
1: Exactly. So S- the the executive committee is – the southern baptist convention all but two days
2: out of the years. is that well it's the, the year, annual that? meeting i mean the convention is many things yeah. but you know six seminaries that educate I, I don't remember the exact statistic but it's something like a quarter or a third of all the seminary students on the North American continent go to our six Southern Baptist seminaries. It really matters that those those seminaries exist, that right. they're well supported. It also matters that they represent the beliefs of the Baptist in the pew and not just some employee somewhere. That's why we had the conservative resurgence in the 80s because yeah. they had started freelancing and they were doing things that clearly were not broadly representative. And and again, why does that matter? Because the trustee system is not just about us being able to do things together with our money. I mean, this isn't about a handout. This is about our actually holding these institutions to account. Mm. Not in a negative way. I mean, right. there's there's right. nothing there's nothing bad about that in the same way that when we say we discipline children we don't mean we're going to spank them we mean we're teaching them to be self-governed we're teaching them to be good adults you know when when somebody obviously not me goes to the gym <laughs> you know <laughs> well, definitely not me but but when they do they hit resistance right they they're lifting weights or they're they're on a treadmill this makes them stronger that's the idea yeah. right mm-hmm. And, and so, so you have a layer there that is intended to be broadly representative of all Baptists. And in doing that, we keep them orthodox in a way that Harvard clearly wasn't able to stay orthodox. And many of our mainline denominations 100 years ago went completely off the rails because there was no mechanism to hold them accountable. The Southern Baptist Convention is the only major denomination in the world to ever go liberal and come back from that precisely because when the Baptists in the pew realized what was wrong in our seminaries and elsewhere, they were able through a series of annual meetings to make a difference and change it. And that's a glorious thing. There's, there's no institution in the world that has as strong a chance as staying true to the gospel as our Southern Baptist entities are because the Baptist in the pew has ultimate say. So, Rod, you're on the executive
0: committee. And yes. How long is a person's term on the executive committee?
2: Four years, and normally they end up on there for two terms. So. And how many
0: people are on this executive
2: committee? Uh, 86. 86 people. And how often do you meet? Uh, three times a year. Uh, two meetings apart from the convention and one at the convention.
0: One at the convention, two other ones. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say the executive committee is the convention when the convention is not meeting, like
2: what kind of business do you do when you meet? Well, I'm new, so I'm about to get a baptism by fire. Oh. So so uh, I, I don't want to speak out, outside of my, my uh, uh, experience at this point. But, for instance, budget allocations, um, many, many, uh, motions get referred to the different entities by the annual meeting, and, and a lot of those go to the executive committee. Uh, these new constitutional amendments that have just been uh, passed for the first year, they have to be passed twice, year, yeah. uh, by the annual meeting, uh, were, were hammered out and referred to the convention by the executive committee And uh, so a lot of things that affect Baptist life in some pretty dramatic ways happen there. And actually one thing that's worthy of note, this new standing credentials committee, their rulings will be appealable to the executive committee. So So there is a broad representative body that will have final say on those matters.
0: So the president appoints um, this committee on committees and then the committee on committees names, the committee on nominations and the committee on nominations picks members of the boards and commissions Including the executive committee, yes. Okay, so it's the committee on nominations that uh, appoints the recommend who is appointed, like Recommends. recommended you, and then, the annual meeting ultimately elects them, and that was affirmed by the annual meeting. Yes, very good.
1: Hey, you, you probably haven't heard about this, but Founders Ministries has been working on a, a documentary, a film, and uh, we released a trailer of <laughs> I it. heard. Have you heard about yes, this? Well, I'm yes. surprised to, to know that. But we released this trailer, and uh, it seemed to provoke uh, some interest in some people and, and a, a variety of reactions. Um, were you surprised? by the reactions that came from that?
2: Honestly, I was very pleased that people actually watched a trailer you know, made by yeah. preachers because they don't <laughs> always do that. And this is a really important issue. Uh, I think you guys really nailed it. It was a wonderful video, and I would say that even if I weren't in it. Uh, but it, it really is spot on. And I realized some people were offended by the tone. Well, I didn't hear a lot of people offended by the content. Mm. And if if it got their attention, it did its job. So good for you, Proud right. of you. Uh, this really matters because I don't think and and I realize we ran resolution nine through a little abruptly mm. in June, but yeah. I don't think that the average Baptist is just sitting around thinking deeply all the time about critical race theory and intersectionality and and if we can find a representative sample that can define intersectionality I will buy a hat and eat it uh, on your podcast so so or (laughs) broadcast as the case may be so uh, so given those things I think these are really important issues and we should at least have the discussion maybe I'm horribly wrong and intersectionality is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I actually think it's quite harmful. And I think that Baptists need to know what these things mean so they can at least discuss whether this is the direction they wish to go. Yeah, because why? while
0: you're saying the Baptists in the pew... Idea they don't know about intersectionality doesn't mean they're not being affected by this way of thinking that because what some people are going to say is oh this is a nothing burger you know but no we're saying resolution nine was passed and there are ideologies that while the average Baptist uh, doesn't understand the intricacies of postmodernism um, they are they that those ideas have a way of getting down to the churches that's why it's a significant issue
2: it's why we've well they can't help but because we're going to teach these things in seminaries. Well, the seminaries are producing the senior pastors of not 20 years from now, but five years Mm -hmm. from now, and in many cases, one year. So, uh, And especially since now Baptists are in the habit of, of, you know, Hiring thirty-five-year-olds to lead their biggest churches and cast off their sixty-year-olds, like you know, there's something wrong with. Yeah, there them. ought to be some I'm kind just of horrified by that. What's wrong, with, know, <laughs> well, wrong with thirty-five? Well, nothing's wrong with thirty-five years preaching. ago. But seriously, <laughs> I, I've been I've been lead director of a publicly traded company. I've been involved in a, you know a multi-billion-dollar acquisition. We don't get rid of our old guys. And and look, Preach. when we took when we took <laughs> PayPal public. Um, we, the average age of our team was 23. I'm not knocking the young at all. That's Come on, Jerry. Awesome. What, you, what, did you, what but, were you
1: doing at 23?
2: But at the same time, you got a 60 year old. They're just starting to actually know stuff. I, I really respect that. I've got a neighbor who's 81 and he's in China once a month and he just did an IPO and he's about to do two more. I, I think it's crazy to be casting these guys off, but anyway, regardless the fact that we do says that if we're teaching critical race theory as a valid way of looking at the world, the guys learning that are going to be senior pastors of major churches five years from now, not 20 or 30. So knowing that, I think Baptists need to know what their seminaries are teaching and if that's a good idea. If they're good with it, well, I I think they're mistaken, but we should at least discuss it.
0: You know, there's, there's a, there's there's two things about you that I particularly like that Tom hasn't mentioned. The first is, people sh- people should know this about Rod. When Rod's around, it just makes you happier. <laughs> that's right? true. So that's so true. It's like it just makes you happier when Rod's there. And the second thing is, he used the word futurist but I'm just wondering if that's a pseudonym for (laughs) post-millennialist or or presentist. (laughs) Well, no, it
2: it, it isn't. It really isn't. Futurism is about analyzing current trends in economics and politics and and technology, of course, and extrapolating to where we're going to be in 5, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years. And, And geopolitics, of course, is essential to that. And Uh, geopolitics has had a real resurgence in the past 20 years, largely thanks to George Friedman and some guys like that. But uh, it's essential to understand where we're going at the rate of rapid change in technology in particular. Uh, Well, just the fact we think about distance in terms of time of travel, really, if you think about it. Um Tallahassee is two and a half hours from where I live. I don't even think about the miles. Mm-hmm. But if you had a dedicated self-driving car lane and the self-driving car is much safer because it doesn't text or go to sleep on the road. And so the car can actually drive 150 miles an hour. Now Destin becomes a suburb of Tallahassee. Mm. That's a really different thing. Let's say you build a hyperloop from Miami to Atlanta. Well now, there's really no reason you shouldn't be able to commute from the one to the other every day, or at least in, meet in the middle in Jacksonville, and suddenly you've got a great real estate play, which I'm totally intending to capitalize on. And, uh, <laughs> and, you, you and you seem to be you seem to be looking at the future very optimistically,
0: and then you're you're actually seeking to uh, see things sprouted up. Which so my question about post mill is, you
2: are post mill. Well, in point of fact, I am. But, okay, but so there's, there's not, some flavors together but, but that make But futurism you, is a different thing. I yes. just see
0: the flavors. Like, you seem to be like, hey, let's go after it. Let's, let's actually see some good happen in the world. Let's see some change. And it seems to have a positivity flavor to your life that I think is encouraging and very much needed right now in the Southern Baptist Convention, given some of the things that we're facing. So I don't mm. know if everybody can become futurists. We can't do that. But the, I see great encouragement and optimism and joy in your life and the way that you're approaching our present situations in hopes of what you see God would do in the future.
2: Well, I would stress that if I were a premillennialist, I, and I have been, uh, I would have the exact same view because, first of all, no one but the Father knows the date or the hour. And so far, he's delayed 2,000 years, so I think it's a pretty fair point based on how Lindsay's batting average predicting dates (laughs) that it could be another 2,000 years very easily, or 20 for that matter. So there's that, but also we are commanded to occupy till he comes. I would also add that in either a premillennial or postmillennial view, there's a great conflict coming when the contents of the pit are released and the, the forces of Satan attack, the elect. So so. either way you care to look at this, you know, I had a pastor who said that he was a pan-millennialist. It's all just going to pan <laughs> out. And, uh, you know, that's okay, too. Uh, it isn't quite where I am. But but it's not the point. We should be optimistic because God is sovereign. Amen. God is in control of all things. He is not merely the author of the fin- and finisher of our faith. He's the author and finisher of our world. The Great Commission is absolutely mandatory upon us. And I do not believe that the Holy Spirit will suffer defeat in any respect. Mm. And I know that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. But moreover... The cultural mandate, the creation mandate, has never been repealed and in fact was re-given deliberately to Noah after the flood. So so he's constantly working out not merely the recreation of man, but also the creation of his world. It will not be finished until that glorious. New Jerusalem descends out of the sky with mm. all of the Edenic imagery and the four rivers and the gemstones. And and there will be no temple there for God and his son will be its temple. Yeah. So, so we're working toward a glorious future. And if there are some bumps once in a while, well, we shouldn't be shocked by that. It's just like a stock chart. You're going to be up and down and up and down, but the trend line is up mm. and the Lord will rule over all flesh. Amen. 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 What a joy to
1: have you with us today, man. Thanks for stopping by and giving Good us your time.
2: It's yeah.
0: a... We'll have to do this again next time you're down this way in Southwest Florida. That's well, right. that'd be fun. All and right. y'all are
2: always welcome wherever we are. Thank hey, thanks you, so much
0: for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Uh, do check out Rod Martin. Check out his organization. Rod and, uh,
1: RodMartin.org.
0: RodMartin.org. Uh, pray for the Southern Baptist Convention and those who are on the executive committee. And continue to tune in to The Sword and the Trowel. Check out founders.org, the film that we have coming out soon. Uh, watch that trailer, share it around. Thanks so much for being with us today.